But you know what? We come to this table today and we have this table because there, there is a problem in the world, isn't there? We, we don't live in the we live in the world God created. He created it as a paradise is actually what the scripture says. But you and I decided we probably could do a little bit better on our own. We decided, you know what, I know rules for me better than God does. I'll, I'll decide what I'm going to do and not do. And everything we deal with in this world today is a result of you, me, and mankind saying, we got this. We got it covered. I mean, folks, everything from war to a car accident to the, to the washer breaking to a weird accident with a baby this week. Every bit of it is the result of a, of a fallen world. And God sees us in that world and he cares where we are and he has provided for it. You know, the, the Bible teaches Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, it says that the the heart, your heart, your heart. How, how many of us in here are thinking, I'm a pretty good person? Don't raise your hand. We, we all do. We all think I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm better than average. And yet what Scripture says is your heart is deceitful. Your heart is sick. Nobody can figure it out. Nobody can understand it. Well, that's a, that's a harsh statement, isn't it? I mean, I don't like to be told my heart is deceitful to you. And yet that's exactly what God says to you and to me. He says your heart is deceitful. You have a heart condition that is not good. Now, what does that mean? Well, by and large, very simply, it means that you have the ability to commit any and every sin. That doesn't mean you necessarily will. I mean, I mean there's certainly a, a, a good probability that, that you will be born and die, that I will be born and die, and there will be some sins we never commit. Some, some sins that we never do. A good possibility of that. But it is within you to do them. The right moment, the right circumstances, the right situation, and you can, yes, you today still can commit any and every single sin. You know, it's interesting. We, we trust ourselves with sin, don't we? I mean, I'm not even talking about trusting ourselves with sins. I mean, we look at, oh, I'll never do that. But we've even got sins we know we've done. And we still run right up to the edge of the line. I, I can control it this time. I can handle it this time. We continue to put ourselves in, in situations where we know we fail. We know the, the, the likelihood is good that we're going to sin in that. And yet we return to it because we trust ourselves. As a matter of fact, that's the great wisdom of the world, isn't it? Follow your heart. Trust your heart. You ever heard that? We hear it every day. Follow your heart. Folks, the Bible says the exact opposite. Do not trust your heart. Your heart will lead you to sin. Your heart will lead you to forget God. You know, we can do that. We can forget God. Every one of us has done it. 
Maybe you've been very close to the Lord. Maybe you, maybe you had just a, a time of prayer and Bible study, felt very close to the Lord, felt like you heard His voice and His leadership in your life. Maybe you were at a great worship service and, and just, man, I was in the presence of God today and it was encouraging and, and I felt His guidance and His help. Or maybe you were at, a, at some kind of place in your life and you just saw God move, you saw Him work, you saw Him act, and you, you just felt very, very close to Him. You and I have the ability to walk through that and a moment later, not a day later not a week later a moment later choose sin choose to act like we don't even know the God we just said we enjoyed and experienced it I've done it and and not only is there that individual moment but folks we have the ability to turn and walk away completely yeah, you, you can be growing in the Lord. You can be walking with the Lord. You, you can be doing that for, for a significant period of time. Months, years. And yet there's nobody in this room that doesn't have the ability that within the next six months your life looks as if you never knew God. Nor want to know God. We can turn. We have a heart condition that can lead us to commit any sin and to turn and walk away from God as if we never knew Him. There's a great illustration of this in Scripture. Let me show it to you. Turn with me this morning to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the, the chairs in front of you. Or if you're not white in front of you, you can point to one. Somebody will hand it to you. 1 Kings, get through the first five books of the Bible. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 2 Samuel. You'll come to Kings. First Kings chapter 11. It's the story of Solomon. You remember Solomon, don't you? The golden boy. Everything this guy does is successful. Everything this guy does is right and good. His leadership of a nation is just perfect. Uh, he, he's got the respect and the submission of the surrounding world leaders, the surrounding nations. He's, he's incredibly wealthy. He's incredibly smart. He's smart about people issues. He's smart about leading issues. He's smart about science and research and engineering and physics. Smartest guy's ever walked on the planet. I mean, this guy is successful in any and every way you want to measure success. And the reason for it is because God made it happen. God gave all this to him. You remember Solomon's the guy that God came to and said, Hey, Solomon, what do you want? I'll give it to you. Can you imagine that opportunity? Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And Solomon, in an incredible moment of brilliance, man, who saw this coming? Said, I want wisdom. If I can have anything, I want discernment. I want the ability to rightly lead your people the way you would. Man, God's so blessed, so impressed with that answer. You know what God says? Man, I'm not only going to give you wisdom and smarts like the world has never seen. I'm going to give you everything you could have asked for. Solomon, maybe more than any person on the planet, has all of the reason in the world to faithfully love God, to faithfully obey God, to, to faithfully stay true to God. All the reason. He has absolute evidence of his existence absolute proof of his kindness there is one great god and he has been good to me that's what solomon knew but what happened let's turn and look first kings chapter 11 verse 1 says king solomon loved many foreign women in addition to pharaoh's daughter pharaoh's daughter was his first wife 
But to her he added Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations the Lord had told the Israelites about, don't intermarry with them. They must not intermarry with you because they will turn you away from me. Boy, how many times we marry, people marry an unbeliever and think I'm going to have an impact on them. Through our marriage, they'll come to the Lord. Folks, that's not God's command. It's not God's command for you young people to marry an unbeliever and through that marriage think they're going to one day come. No, God doesn't say that. He says the greater possibility is instead of you bringing them to the Lord, they're going to pull you away from the Lord. Verse 4, when Solomon was old, his wives seduced him to follow other gods. His heart was not completely with the Lord his God as his father David's heart had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not completely follow the Lord. Verse 7, at that time Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the detestable idol of the Ammonites. On the hill across from Jerusalem, he did the same thing for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offering sacrifices to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him about this so that he would not follow other gods. But Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. I mean, how does that happen? How do you go from knowing and experiencing the one true, the real God like that, and then turn and follow after gods you made with your own hands? I formed, I fashioned that God. How does that happen? It's a condition of a heart. And folks, your heart's no different than Solomon. Solomon's heart's no different than yours. It is a heart condition that we have. We have within us a great ability to forget there's one God. And he has been good to me. Now let's leave Solomon just for a moment. Let's walk out of the palace. And if you would, just go, oh, I don't know, three, four blocks down the street. Turn right. Go, I think, about another block. Jog to your left. You'll go up about third house on the right. There's a small house there. Has an upper room in it. And let's fast forward a thousand years. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, into your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 22, verse 14. Luke 22, verse 14, it says, When the hour came, He, that's Jesus, He reclined at the table and the apostles with Him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. We're familiar with that story, aren't we? We know that. We, we know kind of how it unfolds there. 
we've heard it a lot of different times. I imagine if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you probably can't even remember all of the times that you've come to the Lord's Supper, all of the times that you've, you've done this. You've heard different aspects of it explained. But do you know the one command in that whole passage? I mean, there's a couple of commands. Yeah, take and eat, that's a command. Take and drink, that's a command. But the great command of this Scripture is, do this and remember. Remember, that's the command of Jesus to His apostles at this moment. Remember. Remember that there's one great God. Remember how good I've been to you. Now, couldn't the apostles kind of, I don't know, defend their cause there for a moment and say, Lord, why would you think you need to challenge me to remember? I'm I'm not going to forget. Man, I've left everything to follow you. I've been with you almost every moment the last three years. I'm celebrating the Passover with you. This is a a great moment, a moment moment always locked in memory. I mean, you'd remember if you were celebrating the Passover with the Messiah. You're not going to forget that one. Lord, why would you think I'm going to forget? Because I know the condition of your heart. Remember. As we come to this moment, what, what is it we need to remember? Well, you know, I was saying one aspect, there's a, there's a lot of things we need to remember. And they're all going to be things that, that kind of fall under these kinds of things. I think as we come to this table, we need to remember, you know, prior to this table, without Christ, I'm not okay. Without Christ in my life, I can commit any and every single sin. Without Christ in my life, my future is death and hell, eternal separation and punishment from God. I'm not okay. I may be getting ready to have the best week of my life. I may be getting ready to have the best vacation man's ever invented. But I'm not okay. The future is not good. uh, Quick, let's remember the other thing. With Christ... With Jesus, I'm okay. No matter how bad this week is going to be, and don't even get to go on vacation this year. With Christ, everything's okay. In Him, there is forgiveness. In Him, there's no fear of condemnation. There's no fear of judgment. We are in right standing before God. We're at peace. You know, as we come to this table, another thing we want to remember is that Christ suffered for me. That's very personal. He suffered for you. Do you know how much you're loved? Isn't it amazing an act of love like this could be expressed upon our lives and how little of an effect it can have? Isn't it amazing that that can happen and yet you and I can walk around with our lip out? Why? Because nobody loves me. And that's very real. I'm not mocking that. We can experience a rejection or a betrayal from somebody very significant to us. We might go through a time where we feel very alone and there's no, nobody's interested, nobody's connected, nobody seems to care. Those feelings, and that's what they are, those feelings of not being loved are very real. But my friend, as a follower in Christ, you've not walked a moment without being deeply loved. You are deeply loved by Christ. That was proved at the cross. And that expression of love wasn't just kind of a, do you feel warm? Do you feel good inside? Man, in that suffering, Christ 
produce some very good things in your life. In that suffering, in that broken body, in that spilled blood is your forgiveness Is your opportunity to be adopted as a child of God? Is your opportunity to be in eternity in heaven with Him forever? Is your opportunity to become an heir of the wealth of heaven? Folks, all of those things are things that Jesus accomplished for you at the cross. You know, as we come to this table, we want to remember that He died. But we only want to remember He died for a second because that reminds us He rose again. Jesus Christ is alive, showing himself to be the very Son of God, something no other religion affords its followers. No evidence like that, no proof like that. As we come to this table, we want to remember he's coming back. Did you catch that line as he was handing the stuff out? And he said, now I'm not going to take of this fruit of the vine again until when? Until we're all together in the kingdom of God. We have a king, folks. He's returning And he's bringing a kingdom. There probably should be no greater truth that should guide our everyday lives. You talk about, I mean, we make all kinds of decisions in light of the future. That's the one great future event. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing in your life you know for sure. Jesus is coming back. He's bringing that kingdom. You know, I think another thing we want to remember as we come to this table is the condition of our heart. Every time we come here, we want to remember, man, I can forget God. I can forget Him. I can commit about any sin. We want to remember the condition of our heart. You see, what Solomon shows us in his life is a heart that is not wholly God's is actually a heart that is pulling away from God. Let me say that again. If our heart does not belong wholly to God... There is quite the possibility that your heart is pulling away from God. Now, folks, I use all this as an illustration because as we approach this table today, if we went to 1 Corinthians 11, Paul does a good bit of teaching about the Lord's Supper and our attitude and what's happening. And one of the things he says is as we come to this table, we need to look at our heart. We need to evaluate what is going on there. Does my heart belong completely to Jesus? That's a question you need to ask yourself, not sometime in life, right now. Can your life be described as wholly belonging to God? Or does your heart belong a little bit to God, but it also belongs a little bit to this pursuit, to this dream, to this desire? It also belongs a little bit to this person. Maybe a little bit of your heart belongs to sin. Maybe, maybe your heart belongs a little bit to fear. I, I'm afraid of giving my life wholly to God because he, he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. He might ask me to go somewhere. I, I, I think if you go to God, you, he calls you to go do that. Or if I come to God, I, I think that means I can't do this anymore or I can't have that anymore. We've got all kinds of things lined up that we're going to lose when we come to Christ. Does your heart wholly belong to Christ. Because I would suggest to you today, folks, that your heart cannot belong a little bit to Jesus and a little bit to sin. A heart that belongs a little bit to sin is a heart that's going to belong completely to sin. Paul says, take care of that. 
before you come to this table, take care of that. Because if you come to this table with a divided heart, you're in trouble. <laughs> Here again, I, I quoted Jeremiah a moment ago, but you go to 1 Corinthians 11, you see a harsh, harsh passage. You come to this table, you eat and drink judgment into your own life if you come with a heart divided. He says some terrible things can happen by not respecting, by not loving, by not celebrating rightly what has happened in this moment. So in a moment, our, our, our deacons are going to stand up and they're going to begin to hand out to you these elements. It takes a few moments. Those are moments you need. You need those moments as a time of saying, God, is there, is there something in my heart Am I harboring sin? Am I harboring a passion of pursuit above you? God, does my heart belong wholly to you? Show me. And folks, where God shows sin, where God shows a divided heart, we need to confess that as sin. We need to acknowledge it as sin. We need to ask the Holy Spirit's help to repent. I don't know about y'all. I don't have a hard time being convicted of sin. I can feel God's conviction. I don't have a hard time being sorry for it. God, I'm very sorry I acted that way or I did that or I didn't do that. You, you know what my problem is? Is after I confess it, sometimes I don't have a real commitment as I get up and leave that prayer time to not return to that sin. Folks, God doesn't say, I just want you to feel real, real bad for a moment. He says, I want you to stop. Repent. That's where I need the Lord's help. Jesus, as you show me these things in my heart that have divided it, Holy Spirit, would you come empower me and motivate me to actually not return to it? To repent. And you know what the motivation is, folks? Watch this. You know what the motivation for not returning to that sin is? It's our memory. You see what happens when I remember how much God loves me, when I remember what He's done for me, when I remember what I was like without Him, when I remember what my future is without Him or my future is with Him. When I stop and remember those things, it quickens the love. It quickens the resolve to have faith. It quickens the resolve to obey. Folks, do you know why we sin and why we don't necessarily follow God very well during the week? Because we're not doing what Jesus said. Remember. As we come to this moment, it is a time to remember. And as you think on all that goodness, confess those things in your life. That are really contradictory to somebody who says they've received that goodness. Folks, there is a way to live life that is so worthy of Jesus. And there's a way to live that's very unworthy of Jesus. As we come to this table, we want to confess all that, don't we? And you know the good news, according to 1 John 1, 9, according to the Bible, according to God's word, if you confess it, He will forgive you. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, confess that sin and receive His forgiveness. Use this time to get that heart wholly belonging to Him.
Folks, as we come to this table, watch what happens here. Jesus kind of directs us to look back to the past and remember what happened there. There was a cross. Blood was spilled. A body was broken. So that you and I could be forgiven. So that we could be adopted. So that we could have eternal life. But he also directs us to remember the future. There is a king. He's coming. That kingdom is our future. And folks, as we remember the past... And as we remember the future, it is to have a profound impact on how we live today. It is that cross of the past and it is that kingdom in the future that guides how we respond to people. It guides how we deal with a day going bad. It it, it guides our values and our attitudes. Everything about this day should be impacted by that past we remember and that future that we remember. Jesus said, this is my body. It's been broken for you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Think of that word crushed as you eat this bread and it's crushed between your teeth. That's the body of Christ broken for you. It says punishment for our peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Take and eat. Jesus said, this fruit of the vine is representative of my blood. I want to throw a little curveball at you here. Did you know that it's not enough to be forgiven? If all you have is the forgiveness of God, that's not enough. His forgiveness wipes out and takes care of all your debt. But at that moment, all that makes you is morally neutral. Folks, heaven's not inhabited by the morally neutral. God does not relate with the morally neutral. Heaven's inhabited by the holy. God relates with the holy. Romans 5, 9 says, You have been declared righteous. You have legally been declared in right standing with God by His blood. By this blood, we are made more than neutral. We are made holy. Jesus said, take and drink. Let's pray. Holy Father, would you give us a holy memory? God, would you help us to not forget? We thank you for this moment. This moment, this exercise given to us in Scripture that is given to spur the memory, to quicken the love, the obedience, and the faith. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here today and remember, but God, I I need to remember this afternoon. And I need to remember Tuesday and Thursday and next Saturday. God, would you guide me and and inspire me and promote me how important it is to constantly be thinking on these things, remembering these things. Because God, I do love you. I do want to follow you faithfully. I do want to obey you completely. God, I want my heart to belong wholly to you. Because that's the most wonderful place my heart can be. I need your help. And I thank you that you're there 
and you'll give it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.